Hey team, what's up? It's Miller. Welcome to the Uproom Dallas podcast. I took a Sunday morning just to process day 40 of our 40-day fast. Um, things the Lord spoke to me specifically uh, about fasting, about our community. Some of it's very personal. Some of it is corporate. Uh, for sure, we talk about uh, God's heart um, for his people in his land and how that ties into uh, our current uh, fundraising campaign for our building and um, us transitioning into uh, our land and our spots. So um, enjoy this. It is a little bit different than a typical sermon that I preach, but I think it's podcast worthy. Thanks for tuning in. That's Michael and Jess. They run Jesus Image in Orlando, dear friends of ours, and uh, they'll be here this Friday. So uh, come early if you can. Uh, it'll be awesome. If you're a student at our USM, would you stand up? I want to acknowledge our students. What's up? So these guys, stay standing. Jehoshaphat, stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Please stay standing. They graduate tonight. So tonight's service is our graduation of our first year. We have just under 60-ish students that will be graduating. So their families are in town, friends are in town. So you guys still stay standing. I'm not finished honoring you. You got to stay standing. Super uh, grateful for you guys. You guys have uh, spent um, countless hours in this room praying You've also spent a ton of hours uh, getting trained up, and I know many of you are returning for second year, but we're going to celebrate one year uh, in school leading into the summer. We're just so proud of you and grateful for your yes. So can we give it up for these guys? Thank you, guys. We love you. Amazing. All right, you can be seated now. <laughs> and then something else to celebrate. Um, we are at day 40. So for, for those that don't know, we have been in a 40-day fast. It started on April the 14th, and we all put May 23rd on our calendar, and here we are. So I went into the green room. We have a green room next door, and someone brought some Southern-made donuts. Just put them right in front of all of us. So um, it has been... Uh, amazing. There is so much to celebrate. Uh, and I, I just, this morning, I want to process as a family what I feel like we're crossing over into. Um, I, I believe that this morning is a significant uh, morning for at least a core group in this room um, and for sure the upper room family as a whole. Uh, and, and so I just kind of want to give a state of the union. Um, this will be less of a, a message sermon as it's going to be just a family update. It'll involve some stuff around uh, the building, some things the Lord shared with me personally in these 40 days. Uh, Larissa and I realized one of the things that we don't often do is invite the broader community into the narrative that we see uh, the Lord leading us in. And so this will be one of those uh, attempts um, this morning. So uh, we are just so grateful for your yes. I have heard from a lot of people that participated in some way, shape, or form uh, in the 40-day fast. I got uh, an amazing email from someone 
This is what they, they said. They said, I had no idea fasting would produce what it's produced. After my flesh quieted down, um, after, meaning a few days of it kicking and screaming, um, I found an inner stillness, an inner knowing of my spirit that had been insulated by cravings, desire, busyness, and quote-unquote flex. Uh, this fast made me weak, and in my weakness, I found Jesus. This fast has forever marked me and how I will pursue Jesus. It was always about more of me fully given to him. I can honestly say fasting is possible. <laughs> I love their last quote, fasting is possible. Um, so whether you participated, I know some people did water for 40 days, water and coffee for 40 days. Um, I know some people did Daniel fast, social media fast, fast from uh, things like alcohol or sweets to one-on-one uh, one off to negativity fast. I heard someone doing that. Uh, way to go. I just want to tell you as your pastor, I'm proud of you for your yes. Whether you stop, started, started, stop, stop, started, started, stop, stop, started, started, stop, stopped again, started, way to go. Like, uh, we're here at day 40. If you participated in any way, shape, or form, we are to the finish line. Um, man, it is by grace that we get there. And uh, there was no medal to be won. There was no, like, badge of honor. I made the 40 days. Uh, but I do feel in obedience, we responded very very significantly to the invitation from the Lord. Uh, I just don't know of, um, you know, just the yes of this community continues to astound me. Um, we, we, we had Maranatha nights, so we, the first three nights we didn't gather, and then we had a Sunday, and Lou was with us for seven. And after the seven days, Lou being here, we thought, let's press on and continue to meet and so what was seven nights turned into 37 nights of nightly meetings. And last night was our last meeting. And I want to report to those in the overflow and those in this room that there were just under 300 people. 300 that gathered on a Saturday night, not for a service, not for a speaker, but for the 37th night of prayer. the 37th night of prayer. It was just to show up to pray. It was just to show up to minister to the Lord. And what a profound night it was. It was amazing. God met us. God came. But I am just amazed at the yes of this family, this community, what you continue to ante up for and to. Um, I just little upper room. I'm just so grateful for you and so grateful for your trust in our leadership and, uh, and just to see what has been deposited uh, in the spirit, something was sown. Uh, something was, was sown in the heavenlies. And um, I believe we've set ourselves up. Um, another thing that happened over the 40 days is we set an email up at dreams at uroom.org. Uh, we really felt from the Lord that he was going to speak to you through dreams, and we wanted to steward that. How many of you know the Lord speaks in numerous ways, but one of the ways he speaks to us is through dreams 
at night. And in the book of Job, one of Job's friends is counseling him. It's one of the younger friends. And he actually talks about the Lord quieting us to speak to us in the watches of the night, that he reveals mysteries to us in the watches of the night. There's a language that the Lord gives us, and it's called dreams. Um, It protected Jesus, even as a young boy. I mean, it's throughout scriptures we see God using dreams to reveal himself, and he still does that today. And the dream stream that came through, where's Pam? Pam, stand up. She has been our scribe of dreams. What's up? So you have a booklet. How many dreams do you think you received over the last 40 days? Close to 100 dreams. So, and we, we bi-weekly would meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays and process things that the Lord was speaking. And there are just some threads that have really directed our leadership, um, given us clues for what we sense the Lord leading us into. And so I just wanted to thank you um, for submitting those and to continue to submit those. We're going to continue to do that. What's that? We're going to still continue to meet and do the dreams. So that's something that was uh, taking place um, during this 40 days. Uh, just significant. Uh, something else that's taking place, and this is just, I think, a, a word of warning um, that, that I'm giving to myself, but I also want to present it to the upper room as a whole, um, is I believe persecution and accusation fly with fasting. You know, towards the end of Jesus's 40 days, the tempter shows up and he accuses or he tempts Jesus and uh, questions the identity and calling that he was walking. He says, if you are the son of God, he says that twice. And then he says, well, if you are, then circumvent the vision or the process that the Lord has you in. And then immediately after the the tempter leaves, do you know what city Jesus goes to in Luke 4? He goes to Nazareth, which is his hometown. And it's the famous quote, a prophet is not welcomed in his what? Hometown. In fact, shortly after the fast, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm coming out of 40 days. I went full of the spirit. I'm coming back in the power of the spirit, according to Luke 4. He goes to Nazareth. He begins teaching, and they utterly reject him to the point they take him to a cliff, and they want to throw him off. So not only does the enemy come with accusation, but persecution comes from his own family. And so I I just think we've, we've crossed a threshold here just to be aware of the tempter and to be aware of accusation, both towards yourself and towards others, um, especially those that have been in the midst of this fast. Uh, I just want to uh, put that before you. Uh, one of the dreams that came forth, which was really significant, and it's something I want us to lay hold of, is this theme, Maranatha. Everyone say Maranatha. Maranatha. Now, Maranatha is a Latin word. Uh, Paul uses it in the book of, uh, I think it's Second Corinthians, he uses it. And he says, uh, Maranatha, which means Lord, come. And it's a prayer. It's, it's just, Lord, come. Come now. And it's also, Lord, return. So come now, but also come then. And uh, Aaron Smith, who was facilitating this morning, uh, had a dream that we were praying to the Lord, and the Lord was listening to the prayers of the upper room. And in essence, we were saying these six words. You can come. Everyone say, you can come. come. Will you come? come? And as we prayed that, Uh, where the Lord was listening, the angels surrounded the Lord. And what did they say? You can go. And uh, as they said, you can go, the palace that Jesus was in, in this dream, descended to Jerusalem. 
And uh, I was sharing it with a pastor friend, just the significance of it, and really led us into the 37 nights, calling them Maranatha nights. You can come, we can come. And my pastor friend said, man, I bet that dream really marked that young man. And I said, I, I think it has marked that young man, but it hasn't just marked that young man, it's marked us as a community. I really feel that dream wasn't just for you, it was for us. That a part of the mandate of the upper room as a house of prayer is that Revelation twenty two seventeen, the spirit in the bride saying what? Come, saying Maranatha. And uh, I believe Jesus in this hour is orchestrating a welcoming party. <laughs> you know, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday, amen? amen. We love the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, Hebrew Pentecost was last week. Rabbi was here. He spoke about... Um, Pentecost much better than I will today. Um, I highly encourage you to listen to that. But this is the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit was sent uh, to us. And um, I believe in the last days, the Holy Spirit is the great wedding planner of heaven. The Holy Spirit is on the earth and he is preparing the earth for a wedding. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit in this hour is preparing the earth for a banquet, <laughs> preparing the earth for a wedding where King Jesus, our bridegroom, is returning for a bride who will be ready, spotless, blameless, and she will be saying, come, you can come, will you come? She will be saying, Maranatha, it's the great cry. And so I think it's one of the mandates for uh, upper room. So here's some ways we're going to continue to respond to this cry, Maranatha, is we're going to have Maranatha fast. We call them family fast. We're going to call them Maranatha fast. And the first three Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays of the month, we're going to host Maranatha fast. So starting this June, we're going to continue to live a lifestyle of fasting. So June uh, 7th, 8th, and 9th, we're going to call a three-day fast. We're going to gather in the place of prayer. We're going to be morning, noon, and night in the evenings. But we're just going to take Jesus at his word. We're going to take this dream as an invitation from him to continue to say Maranatha. So when you hear Maranatha fast, think the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the month, we're going to gather as a family in this room and cry out, you can come, will you come? Is that cool? Yeah. One of the other things we're feeling is uh, these Maranatha regional nights. We did one up in Frisco. Uh, we had 2,000 people gather at Elevate Life Church for a one-night Maranatha cry. And uh, we're going to take this on the road. We're going to take it into cities where we're going to call regions together. And we believe there's an impartation to the bride to cry, Maranatha, come. And so this fall, we're going to hit a couple of cities. We won't tell those cities now, but it's going to culminate to the end of the year. We have rented out the Toyota Music Factory, and so which holds 10,000 people. So we're going to end the year. It's December 29th, 30th, 31st. We're going to go the 31st into New Year's. We're calling our online community, and we're expecting upwards to 10,000 people to join us for three days to gather with our heads lifted up, and we're going to cry out, Maranatha. We're going to cry out, Lord, come. I don't think you're excited enough. We are going to gather for three days. 
And listen, a lot of those people that are gathering, this is what I love. Brian Barcelona, Marcelo Barcelona run One Voice. They ran with this when Lou was here and we had a meeting um, about Yeshua Fast, Jesus Fast. Um, when this thing was launched, within minutes, Barcelona texted his media team and they started a hashtag Jesus Fast on TikTok. They had, I want to say it was over 2,000 teenagers commit to fasting their lunches for the last 40 days. Think about that. 2,000 teenagers were fasting lunches for Maranatha. And so we're going to go after Gen Z. We're going to call them to this event. And man, we want to mark them with this cry, this Maranatha forerunnering cry. Because if you're crying out, Lord, come, it prepares you for a future reality, which will fuel evangelism. It will fuel you telling people about the one that's returning. And so it's unto harvest. It's, it's, it's Lord, return, but gather Gentiles and Jews. Tell them the good news. Then Messiah's returning. It'll catch up, I promise. It it slowly will digest. But I am just so um, moved by your yes. I'm so moved by um, just what what the Lord is orchestrating Um, on on such a grand scale, right? We're 0.001% of what he's doing. But just to taste even that much of the Lord's heart for this hour, the Lord's heart um, and zeal for this moment in time. Uh, it, it is significant, the hour that we're in. Um, I, I believe since May 14th of 1948, when Israel became a nation, the end time clock began. And prophecies from Isaiah... Jeremiah, Joel chapter 3, there's these prophecies pointing to the hour that we're living in. And it's beyond something that, yes, you're taught, yes, we need to teach the scriptures, but it's something that the Lord imparts. It's something that the Lord awakens inside of your heart. And I have seen the Lord's zeal touched some of your lives around what he's doing in this hour. And it's significant. And and I'm just humbled. I'm humbled by your yes. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Genesis chapter 12 uh, this morning. And as we look at Genesis 12, um, I want to set it up this way, because uh, I, I really want to I really want to talk about uh, the local transition that we're in. Um, May 23rd today marked another significant moment for us as a community because we were believing uh, that we would raise five million dollars for our building. 
uh, that was that was a, a just lined up. We we put this date on the calendar before we knew a fast was coming. Uh, but in the midst of the fast and the timing of us um, needing the funds and finding this building, we've got a packed overflow room. I'm not certain if we turned people away, but it wouldn't be surprising if we did. Uh, we've just been full and been asking the Lord for a new space, and he has graciously provided a space just south of town at 1910 Wall Street. Uh, we have asked you to pray and ask you to give, and so I want to give a report about uh, did we meet the goal or not? I'm not going to do that now, uh, but did we meet the goal? Um, in that, though, I, I want to I just continue to invite you into the burden and revelation that I'm sensing from the Lord uh, and what he's leading us into. And it has to do with Genesis chapter 12, uh, but, but a, a scripture that I want to set before you as we're looking at Genesis 12 is Psalms 26 verse 8. And uh, Psalms 26 verse 8, uh, this popped out in our Tuesday prayer set, but it says this, it says, oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house. I love that. David, he's being persecuted. It's not like the most pleasant psalm where he puts this, you know, <laughs> this goes on your, your, your refrigerator, but the psalm wouldn't fit on your refrigerator, but this one phrase would fit on your refrigerator. I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Um, I, I love this desire and observation that David has. I love the place that you dwell. I love the place where your glory rests. I love the habitation. And Psalms 132 talks about resting places on the earth, a habitation where the glory of the Lord dwells. He's longing for the place of the tabernacle. He's longing for uh, the place that would be the temple. Um, and, and, and the habitation of the Lord is significant, the place where the glory of the Lord rests. And I believe, yes, we individually are temples of the Lord. But he also says, where two or more gather, there I will what? Be in your midst. And I, I believe not only is the Lord dwelling on and with individuals, but he's gathering people that will build habitations for his glory on the earth resting places of sorts. And those resting places will be marked by thanksgiving, praise, and worship. And I believe the Lord in our midst is building a habitation. He's building a place for himself. And he's done that since the beginning. And as the tent pegs expand here, I just want to keep that vision before us that this is unto a holy habitation for him. And it's a holy habitation that, yes, is for us as an upper room family, but it's also for our city. It's to be a beacon to the city. It's to be a place where people in the region can come. It's to be a fountain of sorts where his presence is the distinguishing mark of this house. It's a holy habitation. It's a place that we long to be in. It's something that we wake up and, man, I cannot wait to get in the presence of the Lord with family. In his nearness is our good, his manifestation. Yes, he's everywhere. Yes, he's omnipresent. But there's places and regions and specific moments in time where the Lord dwells. And it's a revelation that I believe 
uh, he's inviting the church into. Like you've gathered the people. You've gathered for evangelism. You've gathered for mission. You've gathered for these grand purposes. But I am calling a people to gather for me. And I am building houses that are for me. They're my dwelling places. And they will fuel all these other things, but the primary mark is that it will be unto me, and it will be unto loving me and ministering to me. And that is this. This is that. It's a holy habitation that's marked by his glory. And in that, the purposes of God are seen and revealed. It, 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 and I, I, wanna, I just want to set this before you as we enter into Genesis 12, because this is the Lord's desire. It's not just his desire for us, but it's his desire collectively. He longs to dwell with people. Like it's at the core of who he is. It, 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 in the Garden of Eden, I mean, he came in the coolness of the day and, 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 and we, we know what happened. Like, like we know the fall and Adam and Eve and there was separation and they were put outside the garden and, and, and mankind just continued to get worse and worse from uh, the flood and, and just the utter wickedness that had happened to, um, to then making covenant with Noah and, and then through, through Noah, you've got his three sons. I'm, I'm looking at Ray over here. Ray and Kyle Martin. Ray, would you stand up? I want to introduce you. This is Ray Sturgeman. Would you give him what's up? I love you. Um, they're, they're doing a phenomenal teaching that has just marked me over the 40 days. Um, called To Number Our Days. Is that the title of it? To Number Our Days. Uh, Kyle Martin, Ray, with Time to Revive. Uh, they're doing a series on uh, the end of days. And they start in the book of Genesis and go all the way through Revelation, which you're about halfway through it now. Um, but your message and Kyle's message specifically on Genesis 12 has just marked me so deeply. Um, and the covenant that God made with Abraham. And so mankind just isn't getting it right, isn't getting it right, isn't getting it right. From the flood to the Tower of Babel, uh, Babel nations were produced. About 70 nations through Noah's descendants came forth in Genesis 10 and 11. But then God chooses Abraham. And this story of redemption comes through one man and it's father Abraham. And that's Genesis chapter 12. And I want to focus on one, one aspect of the covenant that God makes with Abraham, because this has really been uh, marking me personally. It's Genesis 12. Uh, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land. Everyone say those three words, which I will show you. So leave what you know, leave your country Leave your relatives, leave your friends, leave your father's house. And I'm going to take you to a land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot, which was his nephew, and all their possessions, which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came into the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the side of Shechem to the oak of the Morah. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. So as he got to the land, then he has a theophany. The Lord appears to Abram. And again, he says this. He says, to your descendants, I will give this land. So as we've been praying and processing land and been asking the Lord for land, the Lord personally has been highlighting to me his land. And the covenant that started here with Abraham, it was the covenant or plan of redemption coming through Abraham. Up until this point, the plan of redemption had not been revealed. But in Genesis chapter 12, he chooses one man and he makes covenant with this one man. And it involves two things. It involves a people and it involves a land. And what I love about Abraham is God doesn't just make this promise once. He makes it several times. Flip over to Genesis 15. So there's Genesis 12. Here's Genesis 15. Verse five, he comes to him. Now look upwards to heaven and count the stars if you were able to. So shall be your descendants. Then Abraham believed in the Lord and the Lord reckoned to him as righteousness. The fact that he believed in the promise. In verse seven, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldeans to give you this what? land to possess it. So here it is again, descendants and land. And he makes covenant with him and I'm not going to get too much into the covenant, but it's a split covenant. And he actually puts Abraham to sleep and God himself makes covenant with God himself. It's a unilateral, unconditional covenant that he made with Abraham, meaning it had nothing to do with Abraham. It was solely based on the Lord's choosing of Abraham and the Lord's determination to bring this to pass through his lineage. Why did he choose Abraham? It's a great question. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse Eight and nine, tell us, look at this. Deuteronomy 7, 8. We're going to come back to Genesis 15 really quickly, but you got me, Frank. 
Maybe not. Seven. Yeah, here we go. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. So this is, this is Genesis 15. Saying to your descendants, I've given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river to the river Euphrates. Uh, no, this is not the right. Anyways, Deuteronomy 7. Verse 7, it says, The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of the peoples. But the Lord loved you. He kept an oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. Um, meaning, he, it was just his sovereign choice. He didn't choose them for any other reason, but he chose them. And to understand that... Um, is really significant. And so at the end of 15, <clears throat> he makes covenant with him and then he defines the land. 15, 18, he says, on that day, Genesis 15, 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I have given this land. Let's say that together. Genesis, repeat after me. Genesis 15, 18. To your descendants, to your descendants. I have given this land. Given this land. So descendants and land. And then he defines the land. He says, from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, the Kenite, and the Kenite, Kenezites, to the Kadamites, to the Electrolytes, to the Cellulites, to the Hittites, the Pezites, the Rephraims, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. So a lot of sites here, but all of these sites, the Lord has his sites on them for his people. All right? And so let, let me just show you, it's really, it's really clear here that the Lord has a specific geographical plan for these descendants to occupy. It's a very specific plan. And again, we're talking about land. We're talking about a building. We're moving. But I just want to set something much grander and bigger in front of us. Because it, 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 it ties into something that the Lord was speaking to me. So can you put the map up? Because I want to show you. I want to show you. <clears throat> okay, this is a map of the Middle East as is today. You see Iraq, Syria, Saudi Arabia. you got Egypt, Jordan. Um, this is a rough outline of what we just read. This is the promised land to Abram. For his descendants. That's a lot of land. Now, Israel, do you have the, the, is there a drawing that has, I don't think it's on there, but Israel, now I'll go back. Israel is on the, the left side. You can see it written, but it is just a slither of what the covenant entails. Just a slither. And yet, this covenant is still intact. This covenant isn't just a spiritual covenant, it's a literal covenant with the descendants of Abraham, which is the Jewish state. And 
And part of the thing that's been awakening in our hearts as a community is God's heart for the Jewish people and God's heart for the nation of Israel. Like it has just been erupting inside of us. It's been about a year and some change that we've really dialed into this. But through this prayer, through this 40 days, it's one of the things that we were setting before our hearts is understanding God's purposes and plans for his people in the hour that we're living in. And I mentioned it, that on May 14th of 19, I believe it was 47, when Israel became a nation, 48, sorry, when Israel became a nation, um, that the end times clock began. That there's a clock that began ticking. And last Friday was May 14th, and Israel celebrated their 73rd year as a nation. Now, if a generation, according to Psalms 90, is 80 years, it would mean that, according to the book of Matthew, that there's a generation that will see all these things pass. They just became a nation, 80 years. There's friends of mine that I highly respect that are saying, we have a short window here before things get really intense, specifically around the nation of Israel in the city of Jerusalem. And we saw, like I believe, a dress rehearsal for that over the last 14 days, where 4,000 rockets were sent by Hamas into Israel. And I think we need to be informed biblically as to what's actually happening so that we'll know how to pray and we'll know how to stand with the Lord and with his purposes in the hour ahead. And so this fall, I'm, I'm going to unpack a lot of not only God's uh, covenant that he made with Abraham and the land, but, but also how that plays into the end times, how that plays into our day, this covenant, and it's significant. We're going to go full on in a series uh, after the summer and really unpack this. But I'm sharing this this morning because, again, it's, it's, it's kind of a state of the union for where we're at. Um, May 3rd of our fast, I was sitting on the front row over here in one of our prayer meetings. I was hungry, bored. I didn't want to be here. My kids were hungry, too. And my kids, when they're hungry, they usually get what they want because they're not fasting. Um, so I'm feeding them snacks, trying not to eat the snacks that I'm giving them. Uh, Larissa's praying. She's like fired up. Reward and Pam were fired up. And I was not fired up. And the Lord comes to me and opens up Genesis 12. I start meditating on the phrases that I'm laying before you specifically about the land, the land, the land. Um, Genesis 17 is one that I didn't read, but again, he makes covenant with Abraham. This is about circumcision. And, and this one stuck out too. Verse 17, seven Genesis, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants and throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to, to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you 
the land of your sojournings and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. That word everlasting just stuck out. And I will be their God. Again, everlasting possession. What are they possessing? They're possessing the promised land. I just showed you what that land is. Descendants land. This thing's just hopping out. Um, And specifically the presence of the Lord and his zeal to be in his land with his people. So that night I'm praying and this is is what I sense the Lord um, share with me. I felt like the Lord said, son, I want to make a vow with you. And I heard him say land for land. I felt like he said, land for land, land for land, land for land. Make provision for me as I make provision for you. I I want to rest in my land. My land is my promised land, my future home today. And, and I kept hearing him say, I'm coming back and I'm coming back there. I'm coming back there. Your land for my land. Make provision for me as I make provision for you. And I started realizing like his presence transforming lives. We wrote that on the wall. And I just felt like he said more than training, more than evangelism in Jerusalem, in Israel, I long to be with her. I long to be with my people in my land, my presence in my land, me near my home. I am my spirit. I am where my spirit is. My manifest presence is my manifest person. I want to manifest my presence, my person with my people in my land. I long to be with my people in my land. It's where this is heading. It's what I'm looking to. It's what I'm burdened for. And I felt like I just dipped my toe, just like my pinky toe into his zeal to be with his people in his land. And I thought, Lord, this has nothing to do with me. And he says, I know. I said, Lord, this has nothing to do with Dallas. I know. But this has nothing to do with the building. I know. But this has nothing to do with what we're doing here. I know. It's not about you. It's about me. And if you'll let my zeal touch you, if you'll let my zeal just kiss your heart, watch what it does. And all of these, like, like the promised land that I've been learning about since I was a little boy, the felt board, where Joshua was going into the promised land, where Joshua was conquering the enemies for the promised land, I was like, all of that began in Genesis chapter 12, when the Lord made covenant with Abraham, and he says, there's a people and there's a land. And supernaturally, what took place when The United Nations acknowledged Israel as a nation after the Holocaust in 1947. Like, it is profound. It is supernatural. And yet scriptures prophesied that this would happen. Isaiah 11, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 61, I believe it's verse 21, all prophesy the Lord will gather his remnant from the north, from the east, from the south, from the west. It names nations. 
that he will gather to bring back into this promised land. It is supernatural. There are there have not been this many Jews returning to the promised land since the day of Moses. It is Bible prophecy before our very eyes. And if you are a believer in Jesus, Jesus is still Jewish. He is still Jewish. And he has a love for the Jewish people. And the nation prophesied through Abraham, I'll make you a nation. That nation is this nation that we've been grafted into, that there's this beautiful like oneness that he's going to do. But I just... Again, I want to unpack it, but I, this fall, we'll really dive into it. But, but this morning, I just, as we're talking about land and we're talking about a building, I just felt like the Lord set his land and his future before me as I looked at mine. You know, even David, some hundreds of years later, when David brings the Ark of the Covenant this one hit me because we're such Ark of the Covenant people, presence people. In First Chronicles 16, after the Ark comes into David's tabernacle, David breaks out into song. And, and in his song, as he's celebrating that the presence of God, the Ark of God, is in David's tabernacle in Jerusalem. In First Chronicles 16, verse 15, he says, Remember, he remembers his covenant forever, the word which came to a thousand generations, and he looks back at the covenant made with Abraham. Look at this, 16, 16, 1 Chronicles. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, he also confirmed to Jacob for a statue to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. He points to the covenant of Abraham as the ark is coming into Jerusalem. He sees it as a fulfillment of the agreement that God made with Abraham. It is profound. Okay, so what's my point in all this? I don't know <laughs> fully, <laughs> but I do know this. I do know that God's awakening something with our vision to be a house of prayer and to host his presence. There's something for us in the land of Israel. And I emailed our elders the next day after I got this, and I was like, hey guys, I, I don't know what this means, but I feel like we're to allocate funds that we're raising for the land of Israel, specifically the city of Jerusalem. When I was on the Mount of Olives for the first time I was sitting and I wrote in my journal, I feel there's a place for the upper room. There's something, and when I place, I'm at spiritual place for the upper room in Jerusalem, like there was some assignment for us. And Sean Bowles, who's a good friend of mine, was on the Mount of Olives. It's always cool when you're on the Mount of Olives with Sean Bowles. And so just sitting there worshiping, and Sean leans over, and he repeats to me the very thing I wrote. He said, Michael, I feel like there's a place in Jerusalem for the upper room. I think we're named Upper Room for some odd reason. It has a lot of significance in the city of Jerusalem. I don't know if you know that. Um, what am I saying? I'm saying I believe Jesus is returning and returning soon. 
And I believe that he is giving assignments to spiritual communities to partner with him in his heart for the days ahead. And so as I shared that revelation with the elders and said, hey guys, I really want you to throw in, let's pray. And we're still praying about an amount to allocate towards uh, land in Israel, but I'm already talking to the guys from Time to Revive. We're talking to Pastor Stephen Corey, who has a spot next to Jerusalem for a training center, and he's going to be here next July. There's some things already in the makes about how we potentially could practically see this happen. I'm not rolling anything out other than I'm just saying things are stirring, and I want to invite you into the journey, into the prayers around what God may be inviting us into, into the land. And so that was May 3rd. On May 4th, I gathered with around 15, 20 people to um, share the vision of the new building. And they were uh, people that, that, that we felt led to, to call to Mike Moores and just to, to pitch to them. And I just shared with them what I shared with you, and it made about as much sense, all right? So I'm not saying that today makes a ton of sense. I'm, not, I'm just trying to be faithful to what I felt like the Lord told me to do. So I'm sharing about his land, our land, building. Here we are. And by the end of the night, by the grace of God, it was probably one of the worst pitches for a building in Dallas that could have ever been pitched. Because again, I'm talking about Israel and the land in Israel. And then we had some renderings. And so here's our building. Um, by the end of the night, uh, that night, we would have raised, uh, pledged around a million dollars. And then 100000 was designated for land in Israel, which is awesome. And since that time, when we started that, we had, I think, around $900,000 in hand. But I, I just want to report to you that today, May 23rd, we have raised in, in, in hand, in-house, we have 3.7. And then... We have, we have 3.7 in-house. We have 3.7 in-house. We have 2.8 uh, in unpaid pledges, but pledges that are supposed to come in the next week or two. So 2.8, 2 um, totaling 6.5. This is amazing. So good. Thank you, Lord. So good. It's just so, so good. And I don't believe the Lord's done. So um, there's some other initiatives. We're going to reach out to some of our friends of the upper room, churches. Um, we're going to ask them to sow. We're going to ask our online community to sow. Uh, but here's what I'm asking you as the Upper Room family. I laid all that out to you because I believe this soil is really, really good to sow yeah. into. And I want to encourage you to not be left out. I felt like some of you haven't taken this invitation seriously. And, and the image that I had was the young boy with a couple of loaves, a couple of fish, if he wouldn't have seen what he had, the masses wouldn't have been fed. And I felt like there was a few of you that you're just like, I have a few loaves and a few fish. And I feel like the Lord wants you to give what you got because <laughs> he's going to multiply it and literally touch the nations through 
what you sow and what you give. And so um, this, this is that time. Today is that day. And so we're asking um, all to sow into that. So it's a habitation for him. It's a habitation that he's building. Um, but not only that, and, and just in two minutes, I want to share a couple more things that I feel like this building is about. Um, it's a habitation for his people. I don't think the Lord was looking for a bigger building, although we needed bigger buildings. One of the things that I felt like the Lord said is that he's making a longer table. He's inviting more people to the table. Our building, it's on two sides of a block. It's Wall Street. There's two buildings. It's, it takes up the whole block. And one of the images that I have is a table running all the way down the street. I think it might be one of the first events we do is we have a massive banqueting table. And one of the things I feel like the Lord is doing is he's setting us at the divide of North Dallas and South Dallas. We are literally in the middle. North Dallas, South Dallas. And I saw this. I saw the Lord. Um, I wrote it down. I saw South Dallas, North Dallas, Park Cities, Oak Cliff, Plano to Rockwall, mid-cities to the inner cities, that the Lord's preparing a table and he's going to make family. He's going to birth family around these longer tables. I saw it uh, being a table of reconciliation, a table that builds bridges between races, builds bridges between socioeconomic division. I, I feel like the presence of the Lord is the common denominator amongst us, that he, he births Families. He's really good at creating family. And he's calling us to invite many to his table. And that we're going to see the nations. We're going to see the poor. We're going to see homeless people gathered in this building. That this is the place of his habitation, but it's going to be a habitation for his people. Um, one of the things that we're going into this fall, we're going from fasting to feasting. Can I get an amen? So um, one of the things that I feel, I'm, I'm in uh, talks with Rabbi Jason, and my family has been doing this personally. Weekly, we have Shabbat dinner. Shabbat dinner is so central to our home. It's my kids' favorite night of the week. And I am working on uh, some materials where I've put kind of my Gentile language into Rabbi Jason's Shabbat booklet, and we're going to do an upper room Shabbat booklet. And we're going to give this to you as a resource in the fall so that you as a family can gather with other families at the upper room and do weekly Shabbats together. So it's a way that we're trying to build community around the table, around this ancient tradition that Jesus participated in every week. It will change the rhythms and flow of your family if this can get integrated into it. So something to look forward to in the fall. We're going from feasting, from fasting to feasting. But tables of reconciliation, tables of family, tables of rest, tables of really, really good food and really, really good fellowship. So that's coming. And then the last thing is, is that it's going to be um, a house, that a uh, habitation of his purpose, purposes. And um, one of the things we really feel led to focus on is the nations. And uh, I believe it's June 11th. Is Oscar here? Is it June 11th? So June 11th in this room, we're hosting a night of worship for the Spanish community. Um, we have, we have uh, partnered with a guy by the name of Marcos Burnett. He's an apostolic young worship leader in Argentina. He is known throughout South America. Him and his family are coming to the upper room for two weeks with some of his team. 
I believe he is a person of peace in South America. Larissa had a dream, um, specifically about the Southern Hemisphere and the upper room focusing on nations in the Southern Hemisphere. And the, the dream was this, there will no longer be a people without my presence. And we feel like the Lord is calling us to focus on South America specifically with our worship, but it's unto, I believe, equipping pastors and leaders to creating right. habitations that host him. And so it's going to host his purposes. It's going to host initiatives to the nations. Again, we're going to unpack all this. We're going to do some series around the nations. We're going to do some series around women this fall. We've got a lot coming at you this fall. Uh, but all of that's coming out of the fast. We don't just want to say women, Israel, nations. We actually want to equip you. We want to teach thoroughly through these subjects. But I wanted to just unpack my heart. I know this was a teaching where I was kind of scattered all over the place. But I wanted to unpack just my heart coming out of the fast and what I sense the Lord calling us into as a community. So would you stand up? We're going to invite the worship team up front. I'm going to invite the altar team. Uh, the altar team can pray for you. If you need prayer, any way, shape, or form. And I want to encourage you to give today. If you haven't given to the Advanced Building Fund, please give. If you're stirred towards uh, Israel and Jerusalem, there's, um, there's a uh, drop-down tag that you can give to that mandate um, online. So there's ways that you can give. My family has not given. We're giving today, giving today to uh, the Advanced Fund. So um, it's not too late to throw in for these initial 30 days, getting funds in just to help us plan. Oh, another thing that we needed to celebrate that we didn't in regards to the building is uh, we met with some, um, uh, an investment firm um, that is going to partner with us, and they have uh, uh, approved the amount of money that we need to begin the transition to close and to get in the building. So that's another like massive win for us. Um, so, so many beautiful things are happening in regards to this property and us moving forward. Uh, Eliana, is she here? Will you? She's a worship leader from uh, Sisera. Is that correct? In Israel. Uh, I'm going to have her sing the, the Hebrew blessing over us. Is that cool? Would you sing for us just a, a, the blessing? And I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you very much, Pastor. And thank you, Upper Room, for blessing Israel, America. And I want to give you news while you were praying, just so we saw an update that they're starting to lift up the sanctions in Israel because so far only those who were vaccinated could come in or so on, but now they're lifting it up today. This is an answer of prayer just now. God is lifting up the sanctions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we want to bless you from Israel. <laughs> and we pray that the Lord will bless America. The Lord bless Israel and this unity because Falling to the scriptures, if I can add, Ezekiel 37, it talks about the dry bones of Israel, yeah. the, spirit, the re physical restoration of Israel, but it speaks of the spiritual restoration. This is what Yeshua cried for. He said, you will not see me again, Jerusalem, until you learn to say, Baruch Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Yeshua cried, and he sweat with uh, blood in Gethsemane, asking the Lord, praying to the Father, pleading to the Father yes. that His people will be one, like He and the Father are one. And we are one stick in His hand, Israel. Amen. As Ezekiel 37 also talks about Israel and Ephraim that represents the nations being one. Two kingdoms, Israel and the nations being one. 
one Israel yeah. in the Lord's hand, one stick in the Lord's hand. And that's what the Lord is doing through Upper Room. Hallelujah. He's bringing this unity of Israel and the nations because we are one bride. Amen. We are Israel together. The, and the stars of Abraham that the Lord said, we are the stars of Abraham. So from Israel as a worshiper, humbly I want to bless you, America. Bless Upper Room. As a servant of the Lord, he took me on the last flight to get here while the rockets, the Ben-Gurion airport closed down. And he had me come here while you were giving in the fast to the Lord for the borders of Israel to open again for the nations. And we miss you. Israel, we miss the nations to come and bring the anointing before the king in the city of the king where he will come restore his kingdom. He will reign from Zion to all the nations of the earth. And we will be together in New Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Amen. So bless you. Hallelujah. Extend your hands and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Lord. And you said you will prosper those who love her. And you said you will bless those who bless Israel. Thank you for giving the revelation of your heart to this place, to the leadership, to Pastor, and to all his family. We pray in the name of Yeshua for blessings over the leadership and this vision. In the name of Yeshua. And we rebuke any hindrance in the name yes. of Yeshua. We take authority and we thank you, Lord, for the new, new territory being expanded for the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And may your kingdom come and your will be done. And we are your servant and we say, here we are. Use us, Lord. And we pray blessings, Father, of the spirit of Elijah over everyone to prepare the way for the Lord in America, in every nation. And from Israel, we pray in the name of Yeshua, your end time revival for your bride, Israel. Please come forward. These guys will pray for you. I got the band up here. Do you want to sing? Will you sing some more? Would you sing for us? Just hop up here. I don't know what you'll sing, but just sing something.